Welcome to Hill Law Firm Cases, a podcast discussing real-world cases handled by Justin Hill and the Hill Law Firm. For confidentiality reasons, names and amounts of any settlements have been removed. However, the facts are real, and these are the cases we handle on a day-to-day basis. Too. Welcome to this episode of Hill Law Firm Cases Podcast. I've got Sean Luchnick with me right now. Sean, thanks for being here. Thank you for inviting me, Justin. You're, you're one in a long, illustrious list of lawyers in San Antonio who have joined me on the podcast to talk about the law, being a lawyer, uh, and the type of work we do. I'm honored that you had me here today. Yeah, well. Um, you work for the Luchnick Law Firm. It's you and your father and your wife? Yes, that's why it's named after my last name. What type of work do y'all do? We do predominantly uh, personal injury, but in any case it comes to the door, we're all leers. Oh, yeah, y'all are going to do a big, massive antitrust case? Absolutely, or I'll <laughs> refer it to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, seen, how long have you been practicing? I've been practicing for about three years. Did you always know you were going to be a plaintiff's lawyer? Well, when I knew I was going to be a lawyer, I knew I was going to be a plaintiff's lawyer. I didn't know I was always going to be a lawyer. You had uh, dreams to be a uh, football player. Yeah, I did have dreams to be a football player. Uh, you played at Penn State and then uh, UTSA? Yes. I, I mean, I was pretty realistic that probably, you know, going professional wasn't Were you? That would, I, I would say When you so. were in high school, were you thinking you were going pro? Yeah, I would say. <laughs> I mean, if you're in any profession, you got to, like, have the dreams and aspirations for the highest level. So, yeah, at that time, I mean, at that time, not to, you know, boast about myself, but no one at the high school level could stop me. So until I got to a point where you get to a point where there's people that are just so incredibly talented, you probably think you're going to be at the highest level. I was uh, recently watching a CLE with Brian Panish, who's one of the most successful plaintiff's lawyers in America, a trial lawyer out of LA. He was a college football player. And he said that um, working with other athletes, he has found to be uh, beneficial in our profession because he thinks you know, athletes and growing up in athletics, you learn competition, you learn how to work together. Um, what are some of the things that you think have translated from playing football at a high level to being a plaintiff's lawyer? Yeah, I think I think that's uh, what Panish said in the podcast or webinar you watched. Makes a lot of sense. I mean, a lot of my cases, I feel a lot of passion, which I think uh, come from my competitive nature. You know, the thing about the law, it's a little different. When you're playing football, I could just get really mad and, and you know, go wallop somebody on a play if this guy pisses me off. And in the courtroom, it's a little bit different, but you still can do things like that. You get gratification out of winning. It's one of the few things in the world, I think, where you could really win or lose, you know. So I think if you kind of have that background. Did you watch that webinar? I watched portions of it, yes. That is one of the things he said. There are very few professions in life where there is a winner and a loser. Sports is one. Courtrooms are another. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with that more. In terms of uh, teamwork, y'all have three lawyers at your firm. You've got a bunch of staff, much bigger law firm than my law firm. Um, do you think the, the the team aspect of it translates into the law profession, or do you find it more of a one-off, you're doing things on your own? No, I think the team aspect, absolutely. I mean, I think you got to, when you're up and you play sports, um, there's a great camaraderie in the locker room, you know? So I try to, at our firm, We I think, you know, our employees love working for us. When it's y'all def- settle a big case, do you uh, dump water on your dad's head? No. Not Gatorade? Gatorade. Okay. Yeah, all right. Not water. Um, what? Uh, so we kind of talked about this last time, but the audio was pretty poor, so we're going to make another run at this. Um, yeah. 
what are some of the things that that are part and parcel of what we do working a case and trying to get a case ready for trial uh, that you have found to be some of the more difficult things to learn and some of them that you think, you know, I've just really taken to this like a fish to water. Um, Difficulty wise is kind of stuff that I guess wouldn't really be that hard. Just I probably should have worked full time for someone like you uh, for a while just to kind of get the hang of it. So kind of when you're trying to do things on your own, you don't, my firm doesn't have a, I call a litigation support staff. So a lot of these just basic things, uh, learning how to file things like this deadline, stuff like that. You know, it's just, I kind of got to learn, do it all on my own. Um, but you know, as far as the, uh, you know, depositions, uh, mediations, preparation, that stuff's kind of came natural to me, I feel, but kind of the little more basic medial task I have, I had to get accustomed to doing it myself and then teaching others so that I could delegate it. So they do it. And I'm not ultimately doing day-to-day stuff that doesn't help me settle cases. I don't think I'm good at mediation. Do you think you're good at mediation? Is there, is there an ability to be good at mediation when a non-lawyer adjuster walks in and they've just decided here's what your case is worth? You know, it just depends. Uh, I, you know, it's kind of a, a strategic thing. If it's a case where you think you have a high chance of settling at mediation, I don't mind putting on the presentation, showing them what I got, what they're going to get a taste of if it goes further. But a lot of times you don't want to do that because if you have – some smoking gun. You don't want to reveal it at the mediation case doesn't settle. And now you kind of uh, gave them a preview of what's coming so they could prepare better for it. So you kind of got to gauge it every case, but uh, I've had some, um, a lot of them had to do with defense counsel, maybe making some mistakes they didn't know. And I kind of sprung it on them. Uh, the mediators always say, you should have told them this before because they could have got more authority. But I kind of tend to think that's just an excuse they have. Even on those, we've had pretty substantial settlements uh, at that mediation. So I think if it's the right one and you have a good vibes of getting it settled, maybe you trust the defense attorney that they are going to bring some money and the right people are there to make the decisions that day, I sometimes will put a show on at a mediation. Have, so. you, have you done many corporate rep or expert depots? Uh, expert, not corporate rep. Okay. Yeah. Uh, when you say expert, Defense experts or treating doctor types? Uh, treating, I've only done a defense expert once, which is annoying because those are a lot better than taking, you know, uh, your own witness. I've I done think treating several, doctors are hard depots. Uh, they're hard depots. Mm-hmm. I've had a, you know, I kind of have a script I stick to, and it went pretty seamless the last few I've done. But they're definitely, when you do your first few, it's, uh, you know. How did you go about preparing for your first few? And I pretty much typed out every single question I wanted to ask and reviewed it myself. Why'd you do that? Because I, I just wanted it to to flow well. You know, I kind of knew where I wanted to go with it. I was very well educated on the case, the plaintiff's treatment, all of that. So I figured that if I laid the groundwork, you know, um, I you know, not that I, I wanted the expert to give his opinion, but I wanted to kind of guide him to the answers that I wanted to help the case. Did you find that asking question by question or having scripted questions made it harder to listen? I didn't think in that context, I think when you're deposing someone else, like an adverse witness, you can't script your questions because they're not going to, you don't know how they're going to answer. So right? me and another lawyer who's a little bit ahead of you in our generation, he had some expert depots coming up and there is something that I kind of forgot as a young lawyer that there, you're never even taught how to prepare. So you know, I didn't know how to prepare, so I read other people's depots, and that's how I learned to prepare. Um, this lawyer asked if there was a paper I could give him showing how to do this, and I thought that was just I, – I didn't even really understand that basis. And then I had to step into his shoes and thought, man, you're never taught how to prepare. You know, um, what is your sort of method of preparation when you're going into a depot that you think is new or novel or you're not 100% sure how to handle it? 
Yeah, you know, um, well, I've seen another lawyer. He's an older lawyer, too, but I've seen people that they Google how to depose an expert in this, right? And it gives them <laughs> legitimately questions by question how to do it, right? Uh, I have, I'm not going to lie. I've maybe taken a template and taken a few things just to make sure there's not some obvious question that I need to ask this person that I'm missing. Uh, but I think the majority of the time I do what you did where I would look at depots, you know, some of your depots I looked at and saw the questions you asked, how you would lead into it. Also, of course, watching depots early on, I got to see you do a lot. So that kind of helped me to prepare um, but I'd say kind of a hybrid approach, but mainly reading other depositions. Do you like the uh, business side of being a lawyer or the, the trial side of being a lawyer? You, you had your first two trials this year. You kind of had two back-to-back, and they were probably great learning experiences. Yeah. Um, what do you prefer more? I mean, and, and, and to each their own. I've, we've got a lot of good friends that are great business great business guys, don't really care to be a lawyer. And then we've got friends that don't care to run a business, but, you know, really like being a lawyer. I'd say, I mean, the trial is just incredible. It's a lot of fun. A lot of stuff's going on. You talk about the competition aspect. Uh, not only is it whether you win the case that day on the verdict, uh, at the end of it, I mean, at, in the morning you have three motions you're ruling on. You're constantly getting wins and losses throughout the process. Yeah. You know, it's just every – I mean, you could have a case. I saw you try a case that maybe the outcome wasn't good, but you clearly won throughout the case, right? You know, so from the competition can't aspect – can't change the facts. You can't change the facts. You had to hold your head high when you walked out, you know uh, – uh, so, I mean, the thing, only thing about trial is that, you know, it's a lot of preparation, right? So, to honestly, to, to be in a situation where, you know, if I could just go, I think we were with that same uh, webinar the other day with Micknick, you know, mm-hmm. he just gets to do the trials. Like, that yeah. would be a dream to just step up there and do the trials. Of course, there's a lot of stuff when you go to trial, especially on a, a bigger case, a lot of I doctors. mean, would it be a dream to be gone, you know, 80% of the year, every year, living in comfort ends and suites? Probably not that much, but I yeah, mean, I mean, there's a romanticism to it, but it's exhausting. It's I mean, I'd, I'd rather do it more than two weeks. Yeah, no, year. that's fair. Yeah, you know, I'd say that. I don't know if I could be one of the people who does it like all the time on the jet every day doing that stuff, you know. But again, to each their own. I mean, when you get to the point where you're getting monster verdicts and you're renowned and doing that, maybe I would want to yeah. be on the road eighty percent. What of are the, the biggest things you learned in? Uh, you know, you were a lawyer, kind of learning. Then you got two back-to-back trials that went on for a couple of weeks. What were the biggest things you learned um, being part of a trial team? Really, just being a part of a trial team. You know, nothing's given to you at all. You know, you could think it's the easiest little thing that there's no way they're going to fight you on. I mean, you're going to get fought on every single issue. Things they know they're going to lose, they're going to fight you on. Just it's like it's exhausting. You know, it's a you got to be ready to put in the work every day. It's a marathon, you know. So I think that aspect of it, you know, not being exposed to a trial prior to that, I didn't realize how crazy it is. The work ethic. Yeah, the work part of it is just unbelievable. Yeah. What you got to do, I mean, you could get through it uh, and not put in way more work than your typical day, but if you want to win on everything and have it as perfect as possible, you are going to get little to no sleep and you've got to be at the top of your game. I remember I'd taken a, you know, not a ton, but quite a few depots for a young lawyer when I tried my first case and then I was cutting depots and I thought, why the hell did I ask so many questions? Because then it's just more work for me getting ready for trial when at the end of the day I'm going to be taking a four-hour depot that I'm patting myself on the back about and thought I did great, but I'm only using 30 minutes of it in trial and it just took up three hours of my day trying to cut it up. So I learned how to try to prepare my evidence with an eye towards presenting it, not with an eye towards just asking every possible question and under the sun. That's an incredible point because that probably is the the main thing you did. I learned at trial was exactly that, that you start thinking, wow, I'm going to take my depositions completely different because all that really matters is this, you know, not, you know, which probably 
has has helped me in the future prepping my depositions what to ask there's certain things that you know when you get to that stage where you're fighting every little thing they're like man if i would have asked this in this previous deposition we wouldn't even be dealing with this right now yeah. you know maybe if i would have filed summary judgment on this this or did certain motions that it just you know you got to prepare it up to the trial like you're going to the trial and then it's the seam- most seamless trial possible at that point well I don't think they're ever seamless. They're never seamless, yeah. but at least you could try to work towards that. I mean, I'll be honest. The first trial I was part of was, uh, which is my fault, was not prepared that good. Yeah. So there was a lot of problems. Like, we weren't really prepping on how we're going to present our evidence the best. We were trying to figure out how we're even going to get our evidence out there, right, and do certain things. So that was not yeah, a you got to have an eye towards admissibility, too. Yeah, for yeah. sure. So, uh, But that's good. I mean, now that it's happened, it won't happen again. Yeah. Uh, Seeing you and I have worked a handful of cases together. You were an intern here at one point. If people want to learn more about your law firm, what's the website? Uh, LuchnikLawFirm.com. L-U-C-H-N-I-C-K? L-U-C-H-N-I-C-K-L-A-W-F-I-R-M.com. All right. We have a few other episodes where we've talked about some of the cases we've worked on. Uh, In the future, we'll talk some more and learn more about how you're progressing as a lawyer and learn more about your career. Sounds good. Thanks, Zane. Thanks.